and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Hey friends, uh, whether you're joining us in person or joining us online, uh, it's so good to see you. And it's so good to see the room starting to fill back up. Um, it's, uh, it's such a beautiful thing when the body of Christ can gather back together. Um, if you are one of the children, thank you, children's footsteps pattering for reminding me uh, that kids can go, if you guys uh, can go back, I think it's up on the screen, maybe, possibly, uh, but you can go back and meet Meet Ms. Whitney back there for Children's Church. So my name is Clint Wiley, and I am uh, our new pastor to serve ministries, our missions pastor. Um, and uh, stepping into this role from my role in student ministry, uh, we get to celebrate this morning uh, our UM Army group coming back. They just had an incredible week out at UM Army in Chandler, Texas. They're celebrating that over in the sanctuary. So. Um, if you want to, just get up. You can walk over there, and they're celebrating over there. But if not, just come join us here. Um, but as a, as a student minister, this is my first uh, UM Army where I was not uh, the youth pastor, and I'm feeling very rested, um, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, as we, uh, as we dive into Scripture today, we are continuing <clears throat> our Lost and Found series in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 15. Uh, looking at the three different parables where Jesus teaches roughly the same story in three different ways. As we, as we dive into scripture today, uh, I believe that my job as, as a pastor and as a, uh, a teacher is not just to, to bring the word of God into our lives, but also to teach you how to do that on your own. Um, I, I truly believe that this is a living and active word of God and that you don't need uh, a seminary degree in order to read it and understand it. In fact, I don't have a seminary degree. Uh, I'm, I'm applied in seminary and I'm going next fall, but <clears throat> I'm not there yet. Um, so woo! but you don't need that to dive into this. Um, all you need is, a pres- is the presence of the Holy Spirit for this book to become alive, for this book to, to, to begin to teach you, um, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday too. Um, but as we dive into scripture, I truly believe that this is alive and active. Uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, says it in Hebrews 4.12. He says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. This book, when we dive into it, um, when we go into it with expectation that God is going to use it, it's like us signing a consent form to say, Holy Spirit, you can get in there and mess some stuff up so that you can fix me. And oftentimes there's things in our own lives that when we dive into the scripture, we didn't even know that they were wrong, but when God gets in there and starts to reveal our, the, the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts, things surface in these times. Things surface when we read scripture. Um, I think that this is maybe the greatest window into our soul. Is, is how the Holy Spirit uses the word of God. And so um, as we dive into scripture, um, let's go to God in prayer, um, asking God to do that very work, asking God to, to actually speak into our own lives. Amen? Amen, let's dive in. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into the word of God. We invite you into our reading of scripture. God, would you take these and make these more than just common words on a page, make these more than just stories, but actually, actually God, use these to convict our hearts and souls. God, that you would mold us and shape us and transform us in these times. Now I ask that you would take a moment of a silent prayer, um, asking God to, to speak in your own heart and in your own life. God, we come before you in expectation to hear your thoughts and to hear your, um, your judgments of our hearts, of our attitudes, of our thoughts. God, take us and use us, mold us and shape us into your image. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. oh, come on. And all God's people said, Amen. thank you, thank you. Have you ever been lost? Yes. Thank you for your response. I really appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, and I don't mean just like lost, like, um, like, ne- like your, your Garmin told you to turn into the, into the lake. And so you actually ended up turning into the lake. Anybody catch that reference? Yeah, there you go. I got you. Um, but like lost, like, like really actually lost. Uh, my, uh, when I was growing up, my mom worked night shifts. Uh, she was a, a nurse that worked night shifts. And my dad owned his own practice. He was a uh, he still is a chiropractor. And, um, and so he had his own office and my mom oftentimes would drop us kids off at the, at the office um, in, in between. So she would drop us off and she would send us upstairs and, and every time she would say, hey, make sure you tell, uh, tell your dad that you're here. And so I remember um, in this particular time, um, my dad's office was on the second floor uh, the bank was on the first floor, and on the third floor, there was a, an unrenovated, empty space that had not been leased. And so it is full of jagged edges and wires sticking out everywhere, right? Because it's the, the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, you could do that kind of thing, and people didn't care. Uh, it was also unlocked because it's the late 80s and early 90s, right? Um, because people did that. And so this place was like our playground. Right? It was, we would go up there and spend hours just in our own imagination playing. Uh, we'd be climbing on things. We'd construct things with the wires that the workers had left out. Uh, I mean, it was like, it was like heaven for us, little, for us little kids. And so I remember uh, one time I was being dropped off all by myself. I don't know where my other siblings were, but it was just me. And so my mom drops me off and she says, hey, make sure you go upstairs and tell your dad that you're there. Uh, I totally bypassed the second floor in one ear, out the other, and I went to my haven, right? I went to the third floor. And so I remember just spending hours up there, just doing all the things that I could ever imagine to do. And, and when, I, when I was done, I, I, I pushed the button on the elevator to go down to the second floor. And we got down to the second floor and all of the lights were dark. I looked into my dad's office and it's like crickets. And all I hear is... And I realized that I had been left, that I was completely lost. I had not told my dad that I was even there and he had taken off. And I rounded the corner to find, to find somebody vacuuming the hallways. And I'm pretty sure I made him pee his pants, but he saw this little kid, right? And he realized, oh no. And thankfully he knew my dad, he called him up and uh, my dad came and got me and 
all's good. But I can remember that feeling of being lost. Unintentionally, I was lost. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't just walk up to my dad and said, Dad, I'm out, I'm never coming back, I'm gone. But just like the sheep, I was lost. I ate the grass in front of me and I looked up, found some more grass. I ate the grass in front of me and looked up and all of a sudden I turned around and I was in need of a shepherd to come and find me. I experienced this on the other side this last weekend, uh, or actually yesterday, as we were uh, floating the river uh, in San Marcos. Um, yeah, my, my daughter's pointing at me because she knows she's the brunt of this story. Uh, <clears throat> and so I, I remember uh, we, were, we were floating down the river. It's this beautiful day. At the end of the river, there are these rapids, right? And, and it's, uh, it's so fun. We see people going down and, and just laughing, giggling. Incredible. But... Um, imagine as a father seeing your daughter flip off of her raft and careen down the rapids and her head bob underneath the water. And then you don't see it come back up until a minute later and it's over, maybe not a minute, that would be pretty dramatic. Um, But it felt like a minute, right? And then you see it a little further down the river pop up and then go down. And then you see it, uh, see, see it go underneath a bunch of rafts that are hanging out over here in the corner and, and it pops down and you don't see it come back up. But all the while, you're, you're going down the rapids past where she is. Imagine the pain. The pain that the woman feels when she loses that thing that she cherishes so much. When it's acted upon by an outside source, it doesn't just wander away, but by an outside source uh, interacts with it in such a way that it makes it lost. And the woman has to sweep all over the house just to find that lost coin and the joy she finds when she finds that coin, the joy she has when she finds that coin. Praise be to God. My daughter's here. She is alive. Uh, But... We see in these two stories that we talked about the last two weeks, we see, we see the sheep get lost and the shepherd, the heroic shepherd, come and find. We see the, the, the coin acted upon by an outside source that falls into a, a dark place, that falls into isolation, that falls into a place that is distant from its owner, from its master, And the hero, the woman that finds the lost coin. We see today in our story, a story that's a little bit different. We see a story of a son who rejects the love of the father, knows and experiences the love of a father, what it means to be in the family, and outright rejects it, takes the ring off of his finger that claims his identity in that family, gives it back to the father, takes his inheritance and runs away. And we see a father that doesn't chase after his son. We see a father that doesn't send out a search party after the son. We see a father that graciously lets his son go. I think when we look at scripture, um, we oftentimes try to paint pictures that we like. But I think it's important for us that whenever we read scriptures, that we read scripture with with honesty and integrity. 
Jesus is, is clearly telling three of these different stories to, to lay out a new layer, a new wrinkle of our relationship with him and with God. And so when we read scripture, I think any scripture that we read, we ought to read scripture uh, by asking two questions. What does this scripture say about God? And what does this scripture say about us? I think we ought to ask those two, two questions in almost every scripture that we, that we read. What does this scripture say about who God is, the nature and character of who God is, and what does it say about my relationship with him? And so as we read scripture today, I want you to think through that lens, asking those two questions in, in the words that the, the lost son says and, and, and in the reaction, the action or the inaction of what, of what the father does. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. I think it's on the screen. If, if you have your, your Bible and you want to underline some things, I encourage you to do that as well. Verse 11 starts this way. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, got together all he had and he set off to a distant country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. Notice, notice church, the father didn't put up a fight, right? We don't, we don't know all of that story. We don't all know all of what might've happened in that situation and circumstance, but we do know that Jesus intentionally left that part out. He left out the, the long talking to that the father might've had with the son, right? I can imagine if my son did that same thing to me, there, there would be a, a whole nother narrative happening right here. But we don't see that, and that's intentional. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. After he, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He no longer, he, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Notice that he went to a completely different land, a completely different culture, a completely different area. He left the Jewish side of, of, the, of the lake, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. He left the Jewish side of the lake and he went over to the Gentile side where they farmed pigs, Right? He left all of his community. He left all of his heritage. He left everything he had, took what his father had given him and, and ran away, completely divorcing himself of the identity that he had in his father's house. Hear this, the turning point in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I had set out to go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. 
So he got up and went to his father. While, and while, his father was still, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's, uh, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he heard the music, when he uh, in the, came near to the house and he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he is back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me anything. You never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think it's easy for us um, to, to say this story doesn't relate to me. I know uh, for many years, I've, I've kind of said that, like, praise be to God, this is an awesome story. There are a lot of people who reject the name of the Father and that run away and do their wild, crazy living in college. And they do all these things and kind of run away from God. And then um, praise be to God when they come back and the Father welcomes them. But that wasn't necessarily my story. And, and maybe for some of you, it wasn't your story. Maybe it was. But I think, I think anytime we read scripture, don't be so quick to write yourself out of the story. I think there's a lot of things that happen in this story that lead up to the son leaving the house. And so as we read this text, I want you to find yourself in the text. I want you to find God in the midst of this text. A phrase that, that stands out to me is when the son says, give me mine. The son says, give me the things that I deserve as your kid. There's a, there's a sense of entitlement that this young man has. And it's natural, right? I, I think we all have a sense of entitlement. We live in a world where entitlement is, is so right in front of us. Right? We don't have to be taught to be entitled. Uh, my, my youngest daughter walks downstairs uh, every day and she says, she says, Dad, I'm hungry, give me breakfast, Right? Because every day she gets breakfast. Because every day her dad gives, dad or mom gives her breakfast. And, and as soon as, as soon as I say, I say to her, excuse me? She always flips the script real quick and says, uh, daddy, could you please get me some breakfast? Right? She knows, she knows that that's not the way it's meant to be. She knows that that's not how it's supposed to be, but but you don't have to teach entitlement. You have to teach humility. 
You see, in our culture today, I think this, this, this attitude of entitlement filters into our relationship with God. It filters into our, our relationship with the church. You see, when entitlement leads us, it becomes a relationship of take. But when we are led by humility, it's a, it's a relationship of receive. When entitlement leads us, is our leading attitude, we expect things to be a certain way. When humility is our attitude, we expect very little and respond with gratitude when anything happens. When entitlement is our attitude, we expect to be entertained. For things to be this way or that way, for the music to be right, or God to respond in this way, for God to, um, to meet all of our wants and desires, for our church to meet all of our needs. But when humility is our attitude, we look to serve. When humility is our attitude, we ask the question, uh, not how can you entertain me or how can you meet these needs, how can I meet the needs of the community? How can I make this place better? How can I, inter- how, how can I serve you, God? And notice, notice God's response. In the midst of the son's entitlement, the response is a response of love and that he allows his son to leave. He allows his son free will. He allows him the ability to choose. And it leads the son into a place to say, my way is better. My way is better. I understand that whenever I go into town with this ring on, that people know who my daddy is. I understand when I go into town with this ring on that it carries the power and the weight of my father, but I think I can do it better. And so, so here's my ring. I don't need you, God. I can do this on my own. I don't need you, God, because I have a 401k. I don't need you, God, because, because my house is great and my kids are successful and all of the things seem to be going very well in my life right now. And so I don't need you, God. I can do this on my own. I can do this in my own identity. I can do this in my own power. I can do this in my own strength. Instead of independence of God. And so we see the son walk away from from the family. We see the son walk away from the providence, from the blessing of the father. And what we see in return is that he goes away and he squandered, squanders his money in wild living is what it says. And we see that the blessings of the father, when you're living in the house of God, are different than the way the father responds to us when we when we walk away from the, from the church, when we walk away from God. Those things that God promises us when we are living in his household, when we are following him, when we, we are in relationship with him, they don't always apply to, to when we are outside of God's presence. They don't apply to those seasons when we are outside of, of, his, 
of his, um, his household. When we have walked away, we actually walk away from the promises of God. But what if? What if the sun goes away and is successful? What if that drought doesn't come? What if, the, what if instead of the son being, having this realization, this, having this moment where he came to his senses, where he's sitting in the slop of the pigs, smelling the pigs, pig suey, where he smells all of this disgusting garbage, where he's eating the food that is, that is uh, completely vile to his culture? What if? What if he's successful? What if instead of in the slop, he's on the manch- in a mansion on the hill? You see, this is a dangerous place. When we turn away and when we reject God with our actions and with our lives, it's a dangerous place. Because God doesn't pursue the same way that he does when, when we don't understand and we don't know the, the love of the Father. When we are acted upon by outside sources, when we just wander away, God doesn't pursue the same way that he pursues the other two. But he tells the story and he shows this turnaround moment. And I believe that we can come to our senses in any season of our lives. I think there's many things that can happen to us that don't have anything to do with wealth that bring us to our senses. And I think God is present in those things. I think God is active in those things. There's a stirring in his heart that there must be more to life than what I'm experiencing right now. Maybe that's you. Maybe as you sit in this room and whatever you're going through, whether it's in, in success and wealth, maybe it's in, in the success of your kids, whatever it might be, I think that God is calling to each one of us in whatever situation we're in and saying there's more to life. And so often, we choose a meal among swine when we are destined for a fattened calf with our, with our father. I came across um, this poem of a good friend of mine, uh, Lo Alleman. This week, as I was reading um, and preparing for this, this time, he, he writes this poem in his book, uh, We Sang a Dirge. It's a lament about our world and the place that we're in in relation to this, this prodigal son story. And he says this, with pierced hands, he held our hearts secure with blood-stained skin. He wiped our slate clean. To him, healing fit best on wounds worn honest, asking, is the only hurdle receiving has to leap? Who better to cry out for justice than the oppressed? What is pain if not a voice crying in the wilderness? Make straight the path for healing. What is a riot if not the ache of a city realizing that it is not in heaven? There's more than enough pain here. This is what far from home feels like.
Our protests are coded cries for a father. To us, the unrest seems like a meal amongst swine. But to him, it must feel like time to fatten the calf. Friends, we are, we are in a, a challenging time in our world. Over the last year, year and a half, I've asked myself, there must be more than this in our world. There has to be more to life than what we are experiencing. We live in a world where it's red versus blue. We live in a, in a world where finger pointing is our, is our greatest weapon. Where if there's anything wrong in our world, it is to blame on some, somebody on the other side. But the reality is, is that we will always have those problems as long as we are not on, this, on the other side of heaven. We will always have those problems because we need Jesus. As I've gotten to spend some time in this role as the missions pastor, um, I get to meet with people who are in, uh, whose lives have been radically transformed by seeing, by these moments of realizing that, that this is not enough. That this meal with swine that we are, ex- we are experiencing is not what we were made for. And they've sought with their lives to, to bring about justice whether it be uh, for racial inequality, for, uh, for kids who, who are living all over Houston right now in CPS offices because, because no one will take them in. Whether that's our, our, our men and women in white in prisons that, that people in this church know and believe that they need the love of God just as much as, as you and I. And they go and they seek them out. I loved seeing the way that God has, has stirred your hearts in moments, in seasons of, of slop and pointed you to, towards the feast. But I think that there's so many of us in this room who are, who are comfortable settling for a meal with swine. And as long as we are stuck in the meal with swine, it will always be us versus them. As long as we live in the stench of the slop, we will continue to need more. So church, I want to challenge us. Wherever you are in your relationship with God, whether you have just wandered off and you find yourself lost or, or you have, something has happened to you. Maybe the church has hurt you. Someone has hurt you. Someone in your life has died. And you're asking really deep and hard questions of God and, and it's knocked you off of, off of an understanding of faith. I want you to know that God is searching after you. But if you have rejected God in your life, with the, with the actions that you've done or the, the things that you've, that you've said to God. I want you to know that God is not far from you. 
that it doesn't take much to come back to God. In our passage, we see, we see the, the son, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to, to do a lot of things. He doesn't have to, to make enough money to repay the debt that he's paid to the father. All he has to do, all that he has to do is to step foot back into the presence of, of his family. All that he has to do is to say, God, I want to come back. And as soon as he takes a foot onto the property of his father with, a, with a, a heart of confession, a heart of humility, his father welcomes him back with open arms. In fact, he runs to him. The part of the story where the, the son tries to get out that I don't even belong to be your son anymore. I just, I just want to be a servant. The father doesn't even let him say that because that's not where he belongs. He doesn't belong indebted to the father. He belongs at the father's table. He belongs at the feast. No matter what he's done, no matter where he's been, no matter how far he's gone, no matter the reasons why he left, the father welcomes him with open arms. And not only does he say, come in and eat the fatted calf, but he puts the ring back on his finger, church. He claims him back into the fellowship. He brings all of the blessings of the father back into his life. The provision, the love, the grace, the sustenance, all of those promises are now for him again. And all it took was a step back towards in the direction of the father. A realization that he was sitting and slopping and that there must be more and a step back to the father. And the Father always has open arms for us. So church, as, as I invite the communion servers and the band back up, there's a couple questions that I want us to think on today, that I want us to reflect on. And, and, and I'd, I'd encourage you to pull out your phones and take a picture of these um, so that you can, you can process these with a small group, so that you can think on these throughout the week, that these can be part of your devotional time. My two questions for us as we reflect, as we take communion today, are one, what is keeping you from coming back to God? What is keeping you from coming back to God? And number two, where in your life have you chosen a meal with swine over the fattened calf? I know, I know the, the, the one that God convicted me of this week um, was how many nights do I spend with my wife sitting next to me ending the night in Netflix as opposed to going, going to our loving father in prayer together. I've chosen a meal among swine. I've chosen the world over, over seeking God so often. So where is that in your own heart, in your own life? As we take of communion today, we were reminded of the way that Jesus broke bread even with the one who was going to betray him. Where Jesus sat with his disciples, knowing that Judas was gonna say, I reject you. 
God, I reject your teachings. I reject your truth. I reject you and I will, I will give you over to the hands of, of men. But he broke bread with them because he loved them. He said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup and he rose it and he gave thanks and said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. So today we remember what Christ did. We remember his sacrifice for our own lives. We remember the way that he loved us. Even, even in those seasons where we ran away. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Holy Spirit, pour out your presence on us this day. Make these for us more than just bread and cup. God, but that these would be a sustaining elements, as Wesley said. That these would be elements that sustain us into the world. That these would be your body and your blood for us so that we might be united in the taking of these. God, we love you. We give you thanks. Thank you for welcoming us in to your family once again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.